Today's scripture reading is from John 4, 43 through 54. After the two days, he did a party for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. For when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down from before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he came from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Katie. Well, I look over this crowd, and I am seeing a lot of competent people, uh, people who have um, qualified for many important things, your careers, your tasks. Um, you have, in many ways, uh, a way of, of being out there in your week, um, and that is you, you want to appear together, um, competent, able, perhaps even omnicompetent, uh, able to take on everything. Um, maybe you have a cool way of responding to the things that happen, and people need you to act calmly and to be a calming presence. But today we're going to explore a bit of what's called desperation, of being at that place in our life where we may not normally want to, to acknowledge that we're at and to be more desperate. And uh, this is an account of a desperate father. And to do that, let's, let's ask our God to be with us and let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the revelation, this, the account of Jesus that we've been given in, God, in John's gospel and I, I do ask that in, these, in this moment, you would interact with us and show us your greatness. Uh, show us the desperation that we would normally avoid and to enter into it and to find, to find you there. Uh, help these to not be just pious platitudes, things that are said on Sunday, but uh, that you would really and genuinely impact our day-to-day lives. Uh, Father, we do this because we have seen your glory. We, we know of your goodness, and I pray you would 
help that to translate into our, our real daily living. I, I pray that for myself. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we cruise along in John's gospel. Uh, there are seven signs from chapter 2 to chapter 12. And then after chapter 12, there are two more signs, the total of nine signs in John's gospel. And we find out that John actually intends to shape his whole gospel around these signs. We find out that in John chapter 20, verse 30, he says that these signs were recorded. These things were written that you may believe and that believe that Christ is the Savior. And that first sign was quite remarkable. John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana and Jesus, abundance of, of wine. We find out that what it's like to have Jesus present. And wherever he is present, the messianic age has begun. And that's what we discover. That it is an age of celebration, an age the prophets described as good wine flowing. And now we are observing that uh, the, 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 the gospel moves along and Jesus is traveling and he goes to, he's already been to Jerusalem once and he cleansed the temple. He now has an important conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he moves to a region called Samaria. And unusually, this was sort of a, a non-Jewish area. And um, Jesus has a conversation, very famous conversation, with a, with a woman at the well. In John chapter 4, Jesus' fame is increasing. Uh, his fame is spreading. And something is happening. People are identifying him as Messiah. Uh, they're getting, the news is getting out. Not only that he's a miracle worker, but that the signs point to his true identity, the manifestation of his glory. And then there's a father who comes up, and in desperation, he finds Jesus traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, and he meets Jesus on the road, and he pleads. And I think there's sort of three things happening in this text. I think uh, maybe framing these things around questions might be helpful. But first of all, there's sort of expectations about life. There's sort of these givens about life I'd like to explore. Sort of what are the things that we expect out of life and is that working for us? And then secondly, sort of in the interaction with Jesus, um, there's an interaction going on with Jesus and his authority is being discovered, realized, and embraced. So we're going to talk about his authority in our lives. And then thirdly, I'd like to look at the idea that Jesus actually gives a promise in the moment. He gives a promise to the Father in the moment and, and living by the promises of God in the moment are actually what we're, we're called to do. And that, that actually makes all the difference. So the son is near death. The first idea, this father certainly anticipated that health would accompany his son. All of us with children, uh, there's a givenness about life. We expect health to be a given. Uh, and uh, this father is now experiencing that that givenness, that, that assumption about life is not true. And so he encounters Jesus, and we find Jesus sort of testing his faith. He pleads. He says, come and see my son. My son is, 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 has a fever. He's, he's near death. And Jesus tests his faith. Verse, uh, verse 48, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And now the man is now engaged in a conversation with Jesus about faith. And this man really doesn't want to pursue this, doesn't want to explore sort of 
what, what's the nature of faith and what, what's going on here? The man just pleads again, please come. If you don't come, my, my son is going to die. And we find Jesus has a heart for the man. Even though he tests his faith, he has a real heart for the man. And we find out that Jesus has something for those who are desperate. And this official actually does express faith. It's not very developed, but it really is faith. Jesus, I know you have power to heal. This is very simple. And Jesus' compassion is revealed in this story. Jesus has something for those who realize their desperation. Now, again, I want to highlight sort of a, uh, that we have expectations about life, don't we? We have expectations about people, about how life is supposed to go. And there, we, we could probably list upwards of a thousand or more givens in life. Um, there's certain things we just expect that life is going to deliver us. And yet we are often frustrated at just about every turn. And we figure out a way to work around these difficulties. We try to improve our lives. We try to make our lives more organized. We try to prevent these things from happening. Right? So we work hard anticipating the things we can't fully predict, but we try to figure things out. And we're working hard. We rely upon our world of work. We rely upon our experience in life to be consistent. We want health to be uh, a given. And right here, Jesus connects with this man and says, essentially, what is broken and fallen in this world, I've come to deal with. And every assumption we have about life is actually pretty flimsy. But it doesn't feel that way as we go through our day. Every assumption we have about life is a bit flimsy. And you only have to live long enough, and you start realizing, you start gaining a little bit of wisdom. You believe now that your assumptions may not be that correct, and they're challenged by just living. Isn't that true? Now, this, this certainty, and there's a certainty now that has gripped the father. My son is going to die. Now, um, before this son got ill, he didn't think this way. But now he does. And all the expectations and all the givens of, li- givens of life have been pulled out from under this man. I don't like going to this place. I don't like my assumptions and, and expectations and givenness, the givenness that I expect out of life. I don't, I don't like that at all. Do you like it? I, we all avoid this. We do not want to go to the desperate place. But what is bursting forth into the world through John's gospel is that someone has come and someone is coming who is going to address all this brokenness. And this is a book of evidences of what it will be like when Jesus makes all things new. What is reliable in John's gospel? presence of Jesus and his words, who he is, what he can do. Now, if, if you're not a Christian here today, um, 
my guess is that you have been working really, really hard. You're like, you're like the rest of us. We are working hard to make life reliable, to make life pleasurable, to make life, you, you, that there's certain consequences. You do this kind of hard work, it will lead to this. And maybe you're here and you find yourself more filled with uncertainty than you ever thought possible. Ten years ago you didn't think this way. Five years ago you didn't think this way. But there's a certain uncertainty to life. Now, most of, most of the time in our day and age, what we do is we just get busy, we pedal faster, uh, we just buck up and try harder, and uh, we make another run at life. But there's still this nagging uncertainty. There's certain, uh, the, the, the things we counted on, we're wondering if they're really going to be, be there for us. And I would suggest to you, if you're not a believer here, that it's actually a very good thing that you've experienced this. That you are, your eyes are, are starting to see that the pursuits aren't working. And the things that you, you hope you could have relied upon, the expectations, uh, are now causing you to think more deeply about where should I go to find that, what, that which I'm looking for? Where can I find what's reliable? And what's interesting already for us is that we are a gathering of, a, of desperate people. We are a gathering of people who have been so desperate. Take uh, the first Beatitude, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the desperately, spiritually bankrupt. We are a gathering of the spiritually bankrupt, desperate for God to intervene. And already we're seeing the inbreaking, the inbreaking of something more reliable than even life itself or some general idea of progress or whatever principles we thought we were working off of. Something even better is at work right now, and that is Jesus, his presence is among us, faith, hope, and love are effectually manifested among us, we're already seeing the life of Jesus among us. And I hope that you, as you interact with each other, you are sensing encouragement. I hope you're hearing words of affirmation. I hope you're hearing encouraging words that remind you that Jesus is at work. All right, so that, that whole idea of expectations and is it working for you Each of us, even as Christians, we should come and say, you know what? Only through Christ is my life going to make sense. Only through Christ is my life going to work and make sense. So secondly, then, this man is encountering the authority of Jesus. And the question is, have we entered into his authority? Have we entered into his authority? Now, we know that he simply says, go, your son is healed. And as Brandon mentioned, the idea is that Christ is powerful enough simply by his word. He doesn't have to be present, and the healing takes place. Now, the authority of Jesus is a theme of all the Gospels, the authority of Jesus. It builds and builds and builds, and each of the Gospels conclude with the risen Christ authorizing his disciples, his apostles, his his church, go into all the world, all authority... This is Matthew 28, 19. All authority uh, in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Now go. 
So John, John chapter 4, the healing of the official's son, is a first glimpse at the kind of authority Jesus has. In John 4, Jesus has moved from Jerusalem to Samaria, and actually Galilee was sort of considered sort of the, the uttermost parts of the world. Galilee was way out there, and it's surprising Jesus would choose disciples from this remote region, Galileans, and he's sending a signal that his ministry, his authority, is going to expand beyond the walls of Jerusalem and out into the world. And this is a sign Jesus is demonstrating over the physical realm. So a child is healed. It's a sign over the physical realm. But there is a future restoration awaiting the whole world. There will be a day when there is no cancer. There will be a day when there are no ailments. And Jesus is signaling this day through particular healings. This restoration is coming, and the one who will bring it is the one that John brings us through these signs. And so the official receives this statement. He says, Jesus says, go, and the official goes. And uh, he actually ends up there the next day. We're not sure if it took a long time to travel there. Some even think that he was so convinced of the words of Jesus that he he spent time doing his business wherever he was and took his time to get home. Uh, But he receives the statement of Jesus. And all of these signs are not just to show that Jesus has power, but they are to elicit faith. It's happening in you. As you hear this account... As you hear these accounts, faith is being engendered and brought out of you and out of me. So this is the goal, that real faith. We would have faith in the one, and whatever he touches becomes new, becomes restored. And what an amazing person he is, compassionate, merciful. And he is the authorized one. We know that he can make exclusive statements about himself because he is evidencing miracles that are associated with the Messiah. Uh, A lot of people can make claims about who they are, but who can back up those claims with these kinds of miraculous things? Now, the claims of Jesus in the Gospel of John are many. His authority extends to many, many ideas. I am the bread of life, John 6. He's authorized to give eternal life. I am the light of the world, John 8. He's authorized as the revealer of God. I am the gate, John 10. He's the savior. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life, John 10 and 11. He's the giver of eternal life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14. I am the true vine, John 15. Many of these are, he is authorized to give us eternal life. That is so great. Have you entered into this authority, the authority of Jesus? Are you connected to him in a personal way by faith? Do you see who he is? And it's interesting, once again, that Jesus and his authority is actually functioning in the church today. The church is organized Uh, Our particular church is organized with a leadership structure with elders. We would believe that the elders meet regularly and 
In fact, you take Matthew 18, it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound where? In heaven. Heaven and earth are connected through the ministry of the church. Think about that. Now, uh, we may, the, the, the church may have too human a face to it. <laughs> you, you may associate me with the church. Please, please don't do that. Uh, let me encourage you to have more of a divine face to the church. When you have too human of a face to the church, you'll get pretty discouraged. But when there's a divine face, when, the, when divine presence is among us, when Jesus is among us and he is demonstrating his loving authority among us, it's good. The Westminster Confession of Faith has a whole chapter on the church and says that the gathering of the church and all that takes place in the church is for the, for the perfecting of the saints. So you're being perfected. And the authority of Jesus is among us to bring that about. Ah, good stuff. And then the ultimate authority. Think, think of the church. Think of the church. Think of ordained elders before a congregation declaring, listen to this, that if a person has genuine faith, people are authorized to say this, to say that you have escaped judgment day. That you are now no longer held to your sins and that you are guilt free in this sense that the guilt that was upon you was placed upon Jesus Christ. And ministers of the gospel can say that with authority. Isn't that great? That's the ultimate expression of, 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 the, of the authority of the church to declare the forgiveness of sins to a hurting and broke world. Well, the third idea here, I think this is, this is quite interesting. Uh, when, when does the promise of Jesus make a difference to you? Now, this man is encountering Jesus, and all he has is the word, go, your son is healed. And he ends up back at the house the next day, and he asks the servants, okay, when did this happen? When did the fever break? When did this happen? And the servants tell him that it was on the, the, the seventh hour, which for us, the, the hours of their day started around 6. It's about 1 p.m. And, this, and the, the, the official who requested of Jesus this and pled with Jesus to do this, he notes when it happened, and he knows that is when the t- that's the time when he met with Jesus. Okay, it's very simple. But there's a, there's a message being sent here. For us who are... Christians, we are in need of the promises of Jesus in the desperate moments of our day. We need to access the promises of God in order to respond rightly to what we are encountering. So when Jesus made the promise, made all the difference. Now, What's going on here really is, 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 is kind of simple. All of us are born into this world and we're picking up, we're picking up signals and promises. Uh, there's the promise of the American dream, right? So work hard and this will be the payoff, right? So it's, it's extremely difficult to live without picking up an ideology, an idea, a philosophy, a way of living, a, a, a book on Oprah, a, a, something recommended on Amazon. It, it, it's impossible to read. I can't think of, I'm trying to think even, maybe comics wouldn't qualify. I'm trying to think of something that would, 
would be engaging you and it's actually giving you a promise. We, we are promise-seeking people. We really want to live by something that is going to give us a payoff. And the transition happening here is this man is now transitioned to believing the promises of Jesus. So, um, Richard Lovelace is, a, is an author. I'd like to just read just a, a, a short quote from him. He says this, Faith is the very highest form of dependence upon God. We never outgrow it. Whatever fruits of the Spirit we show, they grow upon faith, which is in its very nature, repentance. What he means by this is this, is that there is a way of living where we are turning away from the hope that we manifested for ourselves, the promises that we were hoping in and making for ourselves, and we're now turning in repentance and saying, Lord, I, will ref- I refuse this way of living, and now I, by faith, am receiving your definition of how I'm supposed to live. And he describes this as true trust, and we are expressing faith, and it is working itself out in our daily life. So, very simply this. At the time when you feel most desperate, what is happening inside you? Honestly, answer that question. What is happening within you? And if you would reflect on that, you will hear promises that have become deflated. Hopes that just are not coming true. Um, a way of living that you were promised and it's just, it just isn't, it's not materializing. Maybe you'll hear a script in your mind about your, uh, something a parent said. Maybe you'll hear a script about, uh, or you see someone else's Facebook posting and you say, that's the ideal life I wanted. Those are the vacations I wanted. That's the life I thought I was promised. When you're feeling desperate, What's going on at that moment? And it's here that we need to have a Rolodex of the promises of God. The preacher needs to have a Rolodex of the promises of God, a stack of three-by-five cards, a well-marked Bible. What do we do at that moment of desperation? And you see, it is in time that the promises of God are to make a difference. And we're moving away from our self-made promises, our assumptions about life, our definitions of the good life. We're actually slaying these things. We're actually calling them out to die and turning now in faith to live very differently. Isn't that good? This is hopeful. This is really encouraging, encouraging stuff. And this is my one big application for today's message. And here it is. I am like you because I avoid the desperate place. I'm like you. So here is my advice to myself and to you. And here's what what it is. I would encourage all of us to go ahead and acknowledge our desperateness and pursue it. Start your day with something like this. Lord, I'm desperate for you, but I'm not aware of it.
Lord, I'm desperate for you, but I'll trust in my talents. Lord, I'm desperate for you, but I live as if I don't need you. Lord, I'm desperate for you, but I really can't move beyond the confines of my own little kingdom. Lord, I'm called to live by faith, working through love, and I want to live by, by sight. That's hard. By faith, I want to move toward other people without condescension. By faith, I want to move toward others with love and compassion. Lord, I am desperate for you to manifest the life of Jesus in me. It has to be renewed daily. And I am accessing the promises that you've given me in order to change me. You see, this man, when he heard Jesus say, go, your son is alive, there had to be a moment of peace and assurance. The promises of Jesus are intended to interact with our emotional life, the way we are, to, we are living day to day. By faith, Lord, I don't feel like I'm a child of God. I'm desperate for you to assure me and to bring the promises to bear upon me. In fact, the call to us today is this. Lord, I'm desperate for you to work on my pride. I'm desperate for you to work on my defensiveness, my, my response of returning evil for evil to people, my, my character uh, to, to be changed, to be, for me to be more open and transparent with people and to, and to care, humility, reliability. The, wor- the world goes on and on. The, the, the subjects go on and on. But I would encourage you, I would encourage you to, to figure a way out where the promises of God become rich, become abundant uh, through a fellowship group, through an accountability with someone else, through reading scripture. There is, in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Peter says something remarkable. He says that through the promises of God, we are actually participating in the divine nature. This means that the qualities that we're seeing in Jesus, the patience, the calmness, the peace, the the abiding trust in his father, this extraordinary person is seeking to manifest himself in you. And this is what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, that I am crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me. And the life which I live now, I live by Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that we're seeing here in John's gospel, the manifest glory and beauty and wonder, it will always be distinctly the Son of God's. But it now, this life is now manifesting itself in us. And how does it happen? It happens as we access the promises of God. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and God in his grace will give us power, and God in his grace will change us. I hope you are encouraged. I hope you are uh, grateful for the life and the ministry of the church, Christ's authority among us, Christ's grace among us, his wondrous glory among us. Let's pray.
Our Father, we have been introduced to this marvelous person that you longed for the world to see, God the Son. And so, Lord, we would ask that you would manifest your glory among us, that we could access you, enjoy you, believe you in the moments when we are desperate. Help us pursue you. In Christ's name, amen.